Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet, and this afternoon we've got an amazing guest who has performed and written songs for the Marshall Brown Trucker Band, who has also performed with Crystal Gale and David Allen Cole, and of course, Charlie Daniels. Please welcome the legendary Ronnie. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Gypsy Poet Radio. I'm the Gypsy Poet. And this afternoon, we've got a singer-songwriter, and I should say an amazingly talented musician who has spanned the music industry in over four decades, if not more. He has covered every color of the spectrum with his new album called Shades of Blue. Please welcome the one and the only and the mesmerizing Ronnie Godfrey. Hello, Mr. Ronnie Gosh. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? <laughs> well, I love I that. Am here. I love it. <laughs> I I'm love so it. Glad that you... Yes, yes, absolutely. It was, it was um, colorful. Yes, that's that's the whole point because your album is colorful. It's very much so. And I want to get to the good parts here. So, starting with the first question. What was the best part about making this album? Well, I think the intimacy of being able to do it with family members, I'm so totally blessed to have people in my family who are professional musicians, uh, very creative people. Uh, First of all, my brother Ricky Godfrey, who played guitar on most of the records, along with my good friend Mike Sievers, and then my wife, Kim Morrison, they know me. They know what I what I you know want musically. They know my creative instincts. And this was when I say this was an instrument record. We kept we kept it. Uh, there was only uh, five musicians on the record. I did all the programming myself. Did the bass and the drums and the other keyboard parts. So by keeping it intimate like that, I, I felt comfortable because everybody knew me. My engineers were kind of always on the same page with me about making a good, honest record where everything is straightforward, it's not overproduced. And also, the other part that I loved is I didn't always try to uh, control what these people did. They're, They're so creative, I let them have the safety of being able to decide what they want to do and the freedom you know, the creative freedom. They know I'm a control freak. They'll tell you that. But I I did it within guidelines where they could, you know, be themselves and give me some unbelievable performances. So I like the intimacy of the kind of the the family aspect of it. I see that, and I like that. So I guess that leads me to the next question. I'm going to be skipping around here on my questions. It's like who or what inspires you to write music the way you do, and I think that's adding the family aspect here. Well, I can't give you, I'll give you four or five anecdotes. It's kind of an evolution of things. Uh, First of all, my mother's taste in music, she kept music playing all the time around the house. She was into Ray Charles, Jim Reeves, Sam Cooke, Patsy Cline, just to name a few. And she would get to cleaning the house and man get in there and and cry the blues and play these songs and I you know they they just basically infiltrated my soul then 
the second thing that happened was I heard a song called Solitary Man by Neil Diamond when I was about 13 years old. I fell in love with Neil Diamond as a writer. He wrote things like You'll Be a Woman Soon, Thank the Lord for the Nighttime, Cherry Cherry. These songs were, I had every single 45 of Neil's the minute it would come out. And then he went on to do uh, Song Sung Blue, uh, Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show. He had a wonderful, lengthy career as a writer. He's an icon, but... Another thing that happened, an odd thing that happened, uh, when I was in the fifth grade in typing class, mm-hmm. I had a tendency to talk too much in class, and we were typing some poem, and I said something like, I can write a better poem than this. And my typing teacher said, well, you just better do it. You better bring it in mm-hmm. here tomorrow and be able to type it up, and it better be as good or I'm going to fail you. So I wrote this poem about Abraham Lincoln. I thought, wow, this is pretty good. I can make more things rhyme a little bit. And um, so I, I took it in. She actually liked it. She even praised it a little bit. So that was the beginning of trying to make words rhyme and write poetry. And then the first actual song I wrote, I had this crush on this older girl. Her name was Sandra Watts. <laughs> and I wrote this song called Sandy. And I was so scared. She was... I, I took it to her, and we had this dance, and I walked up to her and gave her a Braille copy of it and kind of ran away because I didn't want to see her reaction. And the last thing I would mention in this little group of anecdotes is when we integrated in the School for the Blind. I, I grew up in the 60s when the Civil Rights Act was passed in 65. The School of the African-American Children was staying was down the hill from where I stayed at the boarding school for the blind where I grew up. Uh, and we never saw those kids, but all of a sudden we integrated. And within about a month, I found myself at the chapel with those guys singing and playing music. I was so amazed by the openness, the passion, their their joy that they seem to get from it, and it just rubbed off of me and it changed me. And I'll say just one other quick thing to give a lengthy answer. Uh, I started taking lessons when I was eight. Through all this, I was taking classical music lessons, but I hated it. But I eventually did fall in love with it, and now I look back at those classical lessons. Mixed in with all the other things I just told you kind of shaped my, my my music. There's a very important question here that I have on my list, and um, because I have a, a very close friend who is a lot like you, and um, I know that he doesn't make it a secret that, that he's a blind person, and, and neither do you. And this, to me, this this is an amazing and fascinating subject. Um, how do you feel colors as a blind person? Well, just from the point of view where I can use them in my work, I'll start there. Color, color. And for all intents and purposes, it's frequency. And oftentimes we'll be, you know, like mixing a song. This is sort of a dull technical answer, but we'll say, brighten the piano a little, or or that feels a little too bright, darken it down a little bit. So sound, sound can have color implication. When I, for example, when I you hear the heavy metal music with the guitars going, you know, making that metal sound, to me that's kind of red noise. That's orange noise. But the, to me, the blues and the greens are the pretty more, maybe the strings, some of the more cerebral sounds. 
like choir-like sounds. And yeah. when you get into the yellows, the sounds are a little brighter. Maybe the bells are yellow. And then the darker the sound, the darker the color. So in terms of sound, that's how I feel them. But I think I, I had written up the thing about Shades of Blue, the record about it's about colors. To me, it's really interesting that we can have, we can take a word like blue as a color and ascribe it to a feeling, like to say we feel sad or blue. And then there are shades of blue that go along with that feeling. And uh, yeah. and then I think blind people also have references for books they've read. I mean, if you read a very descriptive book, you can kind of form just by osmosis, by reading how other people perceive colors, you can learn about the colors. Once when I was about 16, I did this girl that I was going to school with wanted to do a project with me, her science project, so I became her kind of her guinea pig. And she had these pieces of felt that were different colors. She would show them to me and say, now that one's green, let me get used to feeling of it. And we'd get like six colors like that, and she'd let me get used to the feel of it. And then she got me to guess which one it was by handing them to me and not telling me. And I was about 73%. So it did get to where I thought I could feel the different colors by touching the felt. But we, I mean, it was 73% was pretty good, she thought. She she formulated, she her thesis, her you know closing art thesis or whatever it was that, there seemed to be some ability to feel the felt and tell what color it was. Wow. Well, I had an experiment. <laughs> and, and and the description is uh, takes you through the story. Um, my next question is, what do you love best about playing live? I know you played a lot of those in your time. I love the stage. I feel more secure there than anywhere else. I'm a wreck before we play and probably after we're done. But when I feel that key piano, somebody, you know, I see the stool where I can slide in there and sit down and see where the mic is and all. Then I, it's kind of like my turf. So I guess <laughs> I'm and I'm a little bit of always been a little bit of a ham when I play live. And I was spoiled rotten when I was a kid anyway. Used to getting a lot of attention, and I like to be the center of attention. I like to to feel. The warmth of the audience, and I like to. I'm a, I think I'm a generous artist. I like to share the stage with the people that are on there and enjoy my brothers and sisters that are up there with me. But I just, I've always just loved the whole experience. You know, that would be quite a dream, even for me to share the stage with you at one point. If you ever oh, we could do that someday. Yes. Um, so now. Having the experience of being in the studio and playing live, and they're two totally different entities. Um, the question I have is, what do you like? Um, do, what, which one do you like more, or are they entities that you both that you like them both? And what is? Oh, the I have to. Lo- I have to love them both. I have to love them both. Ah. And I, I think a good analogy here would be mm-hmm. an actor who likes to make movies. But occasionally, this actor would like to go do, say, do a Broadway play, you know, do a six-month run doing a play somewhere off-Broadway or on-Broadway or in New York City somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I think the the studio experience allows you to be microscopic. You can go in mm-hmm. and you can basically use the the tools that you have there 
to to do things to make the stuff better. You could take a microscopic and a telescopic view in there, but you can, you have control just like they do in movies with editing and all the shooting the scene over and over again or fixing the parts you don't like, you know. But live, what I love is that moment-to-moment experience, that electricity that you pass to the audience, that energy you give them, and they give that energy back. It becomes a circular thing. And yeah. I don't know, I'm sure you've probably heard the term neuron mirroring. And it's when they've actually proven that they've proven this with not only people, but some of the you know chimpanzees and other ones of the uh, apes. That when they get together and they get into one frame of mind and get to get uh, get to you know having a group experience, they, their neurons start to mirror one another. Now, in its most positive form, that's getting an audience rocking on the same plane with you. Of course, in its yeah. negative form, is in its negative form is mob mentality. Well, the mob mm-hmm. gets in there right. and gets crazy, and they do things they would never do by themselves, but. but I, th- I like to take that same power and get a positive experience from it. Yes. And that's a beautiful way of thinking, too. And and music has the power to do that, and not a lot of people know that. And you having that, that, that ability to see that and to experience that, and you've done it for, for, for years and years. Oh, and, my goodness. And you being in front oh. of... Yes, yes. You being in front of an audience and performing for as long as you have... It, um, you, you've experienced that, you've felt that, and it gets inside of you, and that's an amazing feeling. Um, okay, so going into the album, and, I, and I've heard the songs from it, and it is absolutely amazing. And, you know, I give my intros to people like yourself for a reason, <laughs> because after taking the time to listen to the sense of harmony and musicality and the, and the way that the lyrics are so well put together, it is it is a difficult album to forget. I will tell you that. Thank you've, you so you've been much. doing this. Yes, you've been doing this a very long time, and much respect to you for this album. Um, Thank you. What do you want your audience to take away from this album when they listen to it? Well, first of all, the, the record was kind of right now, at least for the first stages of my marketing strategy, was aimed at fans and friends who know me from the South Carolina area. And, of course, I've been around. I've played all over the world, in Europe, in Canada, the United States, 43 states. And there's people I've met everywhere. But this record was kind of slanted a little bit and, and, and made for my fans around South Carolina and North Carolina. Basically, what I want everybody to take from it is two or three things. That I'm grateful to anybody who knows me, who knew the record was coming out, who's known me for a while. I'm grateful to them for helping to make me who I am. Because back when I was, you know, 19, 20, starting, they would pay that $2 cover charge and buy drinks and sit and listen while I was trying to figure out who the hell I was. And to me, they helped make me every bit as much as I helped to make myself. So on that Playing. On that level of thought, I, I just want them to understand how grateful I am to them and how blessed I am, you know, just to be, first of all, to be here at the age of 67, to still be making records and to 
should feel the energy of it and to feel you know feel good enough at at where I am now in my life to you know have a, a wonderful energetic positive experience that comes with all this. And I think to add to that, just for everybody who might be listening, I don't care where you are in your life, how long you've been doing it, or how long it's been since you did it. You can still fire up that dream and go for it, man. And if you basically reduce your thought process to just that one thing, get a little bit of tunnel vision going on until you get it off the ground, amazing, incredible, blessed things can happen. Amen to that. Um, this um, this album has has a lot to offer the world. It's very very heartfelt. It's very open and honest. And speaking of that honesty, you were you also got a chance to work with your best friend, the beautiful Kim Morrison. And I'm not just talking that she's your best friend. She's your life partner, your soulmate, everything. She is. And she is a truly wonderful woman. I've had her on my show about a few years ago, and uh, she blew me away with some of her stories. But um, I wanted to ask, what is it like to to have to have that blessing in in working with your wife and your best friend? Well, first of all, first of all, she's a teacher. She's my teacher, mm-hmm. and she. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know if I teach her. I know she sure teaches me a lot, and she uh, she has she's I mean she's probably by the terms that everybody looks at she's more successful than I am in my own business, which I'm really proud of. I'm proud to even know her. She she has her resume. If you take her resume and look at one part of her resume on the songs she's written that have been recorded. And look at another part of her resume on the songs that uh, she's she's done background vocals for people. And then look at the third part of her resume on her artistry part, like the record deal she's had, who she, her singing. She's done the work. She's, she's got three complete success stories, one person. And her her example where she started and where she came from and where she is now is just a remarkable story of the triumph of the human experience. And I'm a human spirit. I'm I'm proud to know her, proud to be married to her. And her musicality is just hard to explain. She's a great producer. Her instincts are incredible. And she's, I mean, many of those parts you heard on there, the bass parts, the drum parts, the little intricacies she helped me with. She helped me through those things. She guided me through those parts. And when you get down to the nuts and bolts of these things, if a person were to be in a room with people like me and Kim when we're making records like this, it'd be cool for a couple of hours, but after, from the third hour on, you start to get bored because a lot of it's just these little necessarily things you have to work through to take care of the little details and stuff, and she's unbelievable at that. Plus, you can hear for yourself her background vocal performances, what kind of personality it adds to the record, plus her writing. She she was in on most of the songs on the record, seven of them, I think, and her lyrical skills are unbelievable. Plus, she's a remarkable person and a good cook, too. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, we saved the best for last. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Wow. 
Now, I wanted to add this question in because because um, I, I, I do know uh, Kim's collections, and I wanted to know if there is one or two songs that you absolutely positively love from Kim's discography that she has done. There's two of them. One is called Moon and Scorpio. It's from the Therapy album, that, which came out last year, which is on CD Baby now. Uh, and yes. there's another one called Oasis, uh, which I think is a masterpiece. She wrote with uh, my good friend Johnny Neal back in the 80s. Oasis is just a remarkable piece of music. There's there's no way to describe it unless you hear it. It's a very original piece, and it just shows her, her incredible instincts, her ability to... To have all these, she has so many, so much depth, very much of yeah. a deep, deep, deep well of creativity, and that she can pull these things up from such a deep well is just remarkable. I can see that, and not only that. What I love about Kim herself is that she has a remarkable sense of humor. Oh, oh yes. that woman! Yes. Not not only does she know how to pick some things that I've read on her page, but she also has an amazing timing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. When she tells you a joke, she does yes. it with all the accents, and she works on her jokes. I mean, when she presents a joke, <laughs> when she presents a joke, she, she you know, takes some time with it. I told her she should have Kim's Comedy Corner on uh, YouTube. <laughs> Start a little, you know, man. They got women on there that do put their makeup on. And they got like fifty thousand hits a day. I said, man, you ought to get on there and tell some of those jokes. <laughs> I I know about her humor. Jeez. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. So that that has to that has to have the icing on the cake. That right there for me. That's oh yeah. It is. Oh yeah. She it, loves to laugh. She keeps me laughing. She lightens me up when I get. I have a tendency to get a little bit OCD about things and. I'm a person mm-hmm. that really likes order. I like to know what time things mm-hmm. are going to happen. You know, I'm, I'm, a, mm-hmm. you know, I'm that way. My, my teacher, I think, made me that way. My music teacher was quite structured and, you know, very professorial and kind of. I like had this old arcane Latin school way of presenting himself. You know, you know, you know, and scared us all to death at first. But once I got to know him and I got older, I've, I learned to really love him and what he helped me accomplish as a pianist. Yes. And let me tell you, you're butter on those keys. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. And, and this is thank coming you. from another pianist. Yes, this oh, is thank coming you from, so from much. Another... It is a compliment coming from you. Thank you. Yes, you are welcome. Absolutely. Um, you've traveled the globe. Is there a special place you want to visit that this record would hope to take you? And if so, why? <sighs> okay, so there's a. I have to explain. Uh, you've heard this, but there's a song on this record called Paris Mountain. This place is in yes. my hometown. It's a mountain in the center, but basically right almost in the middle of my hometown. It's not right directly in the city limits, but it's there. And it's a landmark that we all used to all love when we were growing up in the years where you form your impressions of things. And I grew up in the 60s, so I was one of those peace and love guys. And I believed, and mm-hmm. I believed the age of Aquarius was coming, and I believed in John Lennon's dream. When he said, "Imagine all those things," that he says in the song, I imagine those things. So, Paris Mountain in the song represents that idyllic notion. It represents that place where you dream, that place where 
you you dream of if you come up with a utopian way to look at the world and you base your reality on it from time to time. And even though we may not stay there all the time, I'm telling everybody right now, we need that. You need unicorns. You need dragons. You even need illusions, if that's what it takes, to keep the hope and the dream alive. And if you can't get every dream to happen, you can get some of them to happen. So anyway, that's what Paris Mountain was. Well, I've become a little bit uh, saddened and cynical about the way things have turned out after 9-11. And that's, I kind of expressed that in the song. Along with that subtext of Shades of Blue, there's this whole thing of trying to connect back to my people. I've been emailing them individually, my friends back in South Carolina, just connect back to where I come from. And, you know, I think if you're going to want to know where you're going, you want to reexamine where you came from. So I'm, I want to go back to Paris Mountain. I want to, My mother right now is in hospice. I, she's getting near the end, and this record is, is dedicated to her. And I want to be home, but I want to be home someday on just some, you know, Monday or Tuesday afternoon on some, maybe when it gets warmer, maybe not even over the winter. And I want to be on that mountaintop and just stand around up there, not do anything amazing or anything like that. And just feel, now I understand they say they've just about closed it down and there's not the space that there used to be when I was just a kid up there. So I'd like to go back to Paris Mountain, go back home and go back there. And that is a beautiful thought to have. Last question on my program. 2020 is coming up, and it's a magical year, I think. And I would like to know what your next endeavor and or your next project will be for the coming year. I want to make a record called 2020. I hope to have that out next year. I, you know, when you, it's the embryo of a dream. Do you, you have to, you have to let the dream form. Maybe when you're kind of drowsy, you know, on an after when you're, there's nothing going on, and maybe you just had a little bit too much ice cream and you're just kicking back for a minute. It's starting to happen now that shades is out there, and I'm seeing. You know, the, the I will say the post-production side was a little bit wild and different for me because some of it was new and all that. But now that it's, you know, comfortable, I'm comfortable with the way it's, uh, it's selling. We're selling great, by the way. And people are, seem to like it. Uh, I'm dreaming about 2020. I've got this, some songs. I've got this one song called Close Your Eyes that speaks of your senses. It says things like see with your soul, touch somebody's life. If you could take the senses and kind of interchange them. So I'd like to do that song. I'd like to have a rec- put a record out called 2020. I would like to see that happen, and I would like to help promote it. And, Thank and you so much. It's in the, it's, it, I just told the universe, just told yes. the whole world. It's like <laughs> the universe knows for sure now what I'm up to. <laughs> yes, they do. And I'm very happy for you, and it's a very wonderful album. Those of you listening in, please uh, check out this show uh, in the archives, as well as um, you can also check it out on iHeartRadio. And be sure to check out Shades of Blue on CDBaby.com. It's a wonderful album, great songs on there. And I hope that everyone listening would be able to help promote the album as well as I'm doing so on the page. 
It's been a great program. You've made my afternoon, Mr. Ronnie Godfrey. I absolutely love doing my podcast with you. You are a blast to have on my show. Thank you so very much for calling in. Thank you, sweetie. I, I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. Uh, likewise, likewise. All right, everyone. Uh, I'm signing off saying adio for now. But before I do, again, please check out Shades of Blue on cdbaby.com. And uh, please check it out in any other platforms that you may find it. Um, and also, don't hesitate to look on iTunes to look for more episodes of GPR on the, um, on during the weekends as well. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And, Mr. Godfrey, thank you for calling in on the program. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. I'm signing off now saying adio for now, everyone. Thank you.